from KQED. From KQED News, I'm Andrea Kissick with Quest, our weekly series exploring Northern California's science and environment. This month marks the 50th birthday of what some call California's first modern environmental group, Save the Bay. It's a local success story that has everything to do with the Bay Area we live in today. And as Amy Stanton reports, it all began in Berkeley. How dirty was San Francisco Bay in 1965? So dirty that Pete Seeger wrote a song about it. What's that stinky creek out there? Up behind the slums back stair, sludgy puddles, sad and gray. Why, man, that's San Francisco Bay, 70 miles. But the story of how the bay was transformed from that stinking, sewage-filled mess into what it is today begins even before that song. It begins with this woman, Sylvia McLaughlin. Fifty years ago, it's hard to believe. McLaughlin is 94. She lives in a grand wood-paneled house in the Berkeley Hills. The view from this home, where she and her husband raised two kids, is what drew her here in the first place. I had come from Colorado, where they did not have a bay, and I thought it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. Beautiful, that is, from a distance. The shoreline of the bay was almost entirely privately owned. Even if you'd wanted to go, say, eat your sandwich by the water, you couldn't have, says David Lewis. And you probably didn't want to because uh, the bay was choked with sewage and toxic waste. There were no environmental laws, no regulations. The bay was really dying before our eyes. Say you wanted to get rid of an old sofa. Well, just pull your Ford Fairlane up to the nearest marsh and dump it in the reeds. Not only was that not prohibited, That's where you went to dump the garbage. Lewis is executive director of the group that McLaughlin would eventually found, Save the Bay. He says dumping garbage into the bay wasn't just convenient. It served the larger goal of getting rid of the bay entirely, filling it up. In fact, the plans that had been laid for the San Francisco Bay are so drastically terrible that today they seem almost cartoonish. There was a proposal by the Rockefeller brothers to actually chop down the top of San Bruno Mountain and move it by conveyor belt to the west side of the bay, uh, creating more fill the size of Manhattan out there in the bay. After all, that was the ethos of the time. The bay was a waste of space. Do something with it. We had the Depression, the war. This is Richard Walker, a professor of geography at UC Berkeley. There was lots of money to be made in expanding cities, building houses, building highways and bridges. It was a free-for-all. Each city could do whatever it wanted. And that struck McLaughlin as a recipe for disaster. So she called a friend Kay Care, like Sylvia, a Berkeley faculty wife, who then called another friend, Esther Gulick. Surely, they thought, when the local groups find out about this, they'll stop it. Kay said, well, I think we should call a meeting of all the conservationists. Then they'll probably swing into action. But they didn't. They were all very busy doing their own things, saving the redwoods and saving this and that. They really were too busy to help. And so in 1961, Save the Bay was born as a campaign to stop cities from filling in the bay. This was not a popular position to take. Oh, I got all, uh, was called all kinds of names. Not very complimentary. Posy pickers, enviromaniacs, enemies of progress. But while developers complained, Save the Bay was growing in a way that other organizations really hadn't thought to do before then. Again, Berkeley professor Richard Walker. They very wisely turned themselves into a mass organization by charging $1 for a membership. And they very quickly had thousands and even tens of thousands and pretty, I think, close to 100,000 members. The women did something else that was smart, too. They enlisted the help of the media. It's 23 minutes before 9 o'clock, and I want to give it to you straight. This is world's greatest disc jockey Don Sherwood from KSFO. 
the Save the Bay bill is still in committee. And I'm afraid to say you're the only one that's going to get it out. Until this point, says Walker, environmentalism had been a small elite movement. But Save the Bay changed all of that. In the same way that people were starting to think about civil rights, free speech, anti-war, and so on. Popular movements of ordinary people trying to change policy. And environmentalism is one of them. And Save the Bay is absolutely there at the birth of that kind of popular environmentalism. It worked. In 1965, California passed the McAteer-Petras Act, which created a new agency, the Bay Conservation and Development Commission, or BCDC, which has the power to stop development on the Bay. Thanks to that, to the 1972 Clean Water Act and other laws, the Bay is much cleaner. And after decades of shrinking, it's now getting bigger, thanks to wetland restoration. Today, there is a host of new challenges, including sea level rise and invasive species. But we're starting from a different place now than we were in the 1960s. And that is thanks to the deceptively simple idea that occurred to Sylvia McLaughlin while looking out her window half a century ago. This is something that they don't have in a lot of other places, and we must take care of it. (laughs) Seventy miles. Spray 70 miles of water. I'm Amy Standen, KQED News. 70 miles of open bay, it's a garbage dump. See what the bay looked like in the early 60s on our website, kqed.org quest. Major funding for Quest is provided by the National Science Foundation and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, with additional support from the Richard and Rhoda Goldman Fund.